TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake like a boss the best lineman on the radio well the only lineman on the radio it's game time game time we're ready the Gabe Coon Show 92.9 FM ESPN happy Friday out there October 27 2023 and welcome in to the Gabe Coon Show I am your host Gabe Coon Former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on X at G underscore Coon 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, what's happening, brother? What's up, man? Um, I'll tell you what's up. We have a, an abbreviated show. Yes, we do. To say the least. One and a half hours, maybe a little less than that, of the Gabe Coon Show before we pass you off to Grizzlies versus the Nuggets at 530. Jessica Benson will take on pregame for a 6 o'clock tip against the defending Chance. We'll talk about that as well as Memphis at North Texas, a little bit of college football, Memphis basketball in the first segment, but we have a lot to fit in. Not a whole lot of time. As far as guests are concerned, Lee Sterling will join around 440. Um, we have to get you your picks for the weekend, and Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports is the best guy to come do that every single Friday. And then 5 o'clock, before we get out, um, it'll be Jeff Calkins from the Jeff Calkins Show and the Daily Memphian. We will still have a trip around the NFL around 430, um, but... Very short, abbreviated show. Welcome in today. Now, Grizzlies versus Nuggets tonight, 6 p.m. I have to start with the injury report because I think that that is the the most important context to tonight's game. Injury report comes out. And, of course, we know Ja, Brandon Clark, Stephen Adams, right? Santi Aldama remains out with a right ankle sprain. And then Luke Kennard enters into the injury report into concussion protocol. You really hope it doesn't take a long time, but I, I heard Jeffrey Wright talking about this earlier. Concussion protocol in basketball is a lot different than concussion protocol in football, ultimately. They try to clear them a lot quicker, it seems, in football than they do in basketball, so you don't know how long that's going to linger, but it does leave this question for me. When we look at the starters for tonight, and the starters ultimately will be Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Jaron Jackson Jr., Xavier Tillman. That's the starting five that is likely to go out there tonight. Injury report. Let's talk about that starting five. John Morant, Luke Kennard, Santi Aldama, Brandon Clark, Steven Adams. Who wins, Connor Dunning? Who wins? Because I think I'm leaning to the injury report right now. I think I'm leaning directly to the injury report. Honestly, if they played 10 games, I think they would split it 5-5. Okay. I, I think it would be split 5-5. How do you like that non-answer? Um, I don't know, man. It, the... Defense for the starters, for, so for who's going to go tonight, it's, it's the, certainly better. The starters that we have tonight, they have the defense, and they have Jaron Jackson Jr. 
But the, the injury report, John Morant, Steven Adams, Brandon John Clark, Mar- Luke Kennard. Oh, I mean, it's a squad. Here, here. It's a squad. It's a squad with enough shooting between Luke Kennard and Santi Aldama. Yeah. You have John Morant getting screens set for him by Steven Adams. You're going to get several second chance points with Steven Adams and Brandon Clark. It's like that starting five is almost throwback. And I hate to say throwback because first half of last year and two years ago, this is how they played. That's, that's the style of ball that they played. A little bit of three-point shooting, but you're going to get those second-chance opportunities on a lot of points in the paint. So I don't know, man. I, I, I think, think I would I, probably I'd take lean, the – I think I would lean the injured squad. I'd lean the injured squad, unfortunately. No disrespect to the starters tonight. It just shows how talented this team could be if healthy, and it's just a gut punch. <laughs> and, and, and that, that's the thing. Where I think there's a little luster off the beginning of this season, not just because – you thought it would just be Josh 25 games, but yeah. the, the Stephen Adams injury, and now you have two – of your probably your two best bench players, yeah, are not not even possibly your two best bench players in Santi Aldama and Luke Kennard. Going to be sidelined and Brandon Clark. He would Brandon Clark would be your time. best bench player if he was healthy. So all three of your top three <laughs> bench options are injured. The entire Memphis Grizzlies fan base got Joe Pesci in the first week of the season. Yes, no, there's no question about it. Now they take on the defending champs tonight. They take on the defending champs, the Denver Nuggets. Tonight. Now, um, I know you, uh, you're, you're AKA, you're also known as the Prince of Positivity, right? So if I'm doing the Prince of Positivity here, Nikola Jokic has averaged 25.9 points per game, 8.8 assists per game, 12.7 boards per game over the last three years. Now, the three times he's faced Memphis over that span and Xavier Tillman has played 15 or more minutes, Jokic has averaged. 18.7 points per game, 6.7 assists per game, 12.7 boards per game. So down on points and assists, same exact number for rebounds per game. Now, if I'm going Prince of Positivity, I'd say Xavier Tillman can do a good job against Nikola Jokic tonight. Is X the Jokic stopper that Is the league the has X been looking for factor? this whole time? Is he the X factor? <laughs> I'm going to turn off your mic. I don't know. One. But, no, seriously, I, 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 I don't have a lot of hope for tonight. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Grizzlies are 0-1. They're decimated. Their bench. Uh, you're, you're, you have multiple starters that are, uh, of course, Ja out for 25 games. Stephen Adams out for the year. It's just it's hard to rebound from that early in a season. It's really really hard, and we know what Nikola Jokic can bring to the table every single night. Now, the other night, playing the Pelicans, everyone wants to point to the three point percentage. Twelve for 43. It was not good by any stretch of the imagination. I would argue that a lot of those looks were open. And that is what they're going to have to consistently do through these first 25 without getting points in the paint at the rate they were the last two years. They're going to have to shoot threes and knock down their threes. I don't think they'll shoot 27% again from the three-point line tonight necessarily. But, of course, things are up in the air. You don't have Luke Kennard. Uh, you don't have Santi Aldama. You could cut into those three-point numbers at least a tad bit. But they're going to have to do that. I see some people frustrated with the fact that you're putting up 43 threes and not making as many as you want to. But that is what they're going to have to do. The one thing I'm frustrated about more than anything else is the two transition points from the other night. They were 3 for 18 in transition opportunities the other night. You have to be better than that. You have to get knockaways, you have to be disruptive, and you have to make things happen, turn defense into offense, if you want to have a chance to pace against teams that are solid, like the Pelicans, who I think are solid, and certainly the Nuggets, who are at the top of the NBA right now. Absolutely. You know, you said of the 43 threes, 
pr- pretty much all of them were good shots. I don't, you know, I didn't really disagree with the shot selection. I think the ones that bothered me a little bit were the fast break threes that they were trying to make, attack their rim there in those situations, try to get those easy points. I understand that they were trying to get, you know, an open three, but in those situations, when you don't have the shots, attack the rim. One thing tonight that I would also like to see is Jaron Jackson Jr. get to work in the paint. I think that's going to be key to the see, team tonight. If you want to talk about three point shooting. And, and somebody who needs to, instead of opting for a long-range shot, go attack the paint. That's Jaron Jackson Jr. The other night, I'm not even going to lie to you, obviously the, the foul trouble was troubling, to say the least. But I want to see him attack, man. Get in the paint. Go make things happen. You can't just rely on mismatches every single time down the floor. If you do get a mismatch, go attack it. But even... It, literally, all it takes for Jaron, who's seven foot, who's gotten stronger in his career, put two different post moves in your brain and use one of them when you get the ball down low. It's going to be a tough, a tough matchup tonight for Jaron because not only is he going to have to help defend Nikola Jokic on the defensive end, you know, he's going to have Aaron Gordon, he's going to have Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic being thrown at him on the defensive end. That's just the Denver Nuggets are built so perfectly to be a contending team and and to be successful during the regular season in the playoffs. They are probably the best starting five in the NBA as we saw their first game. They're just so efficient. Everybody's at the right spot at the right time. Jaron's a bit of a mismatch for them, but at the same time, he's got to be aggressive. If they keep him around the three-point line, that's how they win. You know, that's what they want to do tonight. So if Jaron drives, gets to the paint, maybe gets them in foul trouble possibly, they might have something. But on the flip side of that, it is going to be difficult for him to defend this team without fouling. It's going to be paramount to the success yep. of the Grizzlies tonight. If, he if has Xavier, to be on the well, floor. And same with Xavier Tillman, let's be yeah. honest. Now, he does a good job of defending without fouling usually, but this is a different matchup tonight against Nikola Jokic. Right. If those two have any if, – if one of those two have any level of foul trouble, you can almost count the Grizzlies out of the game. I'm going to be honest with you. That's the truth of it. You need the biggest lineup you can out there to go deal with Nikola Jokic in the paint bothering you. Um, you have to bother him. You have to give some back to him. And I, if either of those guys get into foul trouble, it's going to be brutal. It is paramount that they – I agree that they defend without fouling. Now, I, I would imagine after game one, Jaron Jackson Jr., he is, uh, he's looking to have a, a, a rebound game. I he's bet. Looking, yeah. He's looking to stay on the damn court pun at all costs. Yeah, pun intended. Um, but he's looking to stay on the court, if at all possible, and hopefully stop settling for threes on the offensive end. Yeah, I think one of the best things about Jaron is you know that when he has a bad game, he knows it. He knows what's going on. Jaron Jackson Jr. is still the talent that we saw at the end of last year. I still believe he could be an All-NBA player this year. He's going to bounce back. He's he's going to have it. It's just the first two games of this season are the worst matchups for the Grizzlies right now because of the injuries that they have. It's like... We don't have any big man depth. Oh, great. We're playing the best big man in the league, one of the best big man rotations in the league, and the first game was the same way. It's, that's yeah, just, it's, it's tough. It's really tough right now for the Grizzlies. they got to get through these first two games. We talked about it with Jeff yesterday. I think the Wizards is when we're going to really figure out kind of where this team's going to be in the first you know 25 games without John Moran, especially now without Steven Adams. These first two are going to be difficult. All of this being said, though, there is – there is a zombie grizzly scenario tonight. That could of happen. course, it could happen. Of course, it's the NBA, man. The, it's I got to bring the Prince of Positivity ga- a little bit. But let's be bit. honest; it's Game Two in the NBA. Anything like 
And we've seen Maybe over the, the past. Like, if, like, you ah. wanna, if you really want to be positive, you've seen over the past two to three years that the Grizzlies, when you think it's down and out, when they have guys sitting down, somehow they pull out a win, right. play good defense, figure some things out, turn the other team over a whole lot. Hopefully that is tonight. I'm not betting on it, though, by any stretch of the imagination. I would not bet on it. I would not bet on it, but it's not an impossibility. You know, it's just, I, I'm curious to see how Marcus Smart operates tonight, too. I think right. he's going to be important. He can help on the, on the defensive perimeter. Uh, his matchup's going to be with Jamal Murray. It's going to be very, very important that he's out there on the court. Hopefully he he gets those turnovers down a little bit, but he can build on the first game, which I thought was pretty good. Derrick Rose is also going to be important tonight. It's it's just every single position the Nuggets are good at, the Grizzlies lack some depth right now. Mm-hmm. And that's the and that's just the difficult thing about this matchup. Um, now also, Grizzlies will have a back-to-back as they have to deal, and they'll have travel. And it'll be less than a 24-hour layover, right, before they play in the, their next game. Now, they didn't do shoot-around. They didn't do practice because they are so hurt right now. They just don't want to risk it. Um, but they go to the Wizards tomorrow. If they lose tonight, they are going to have to do everything they can to try to salvage a back-to-back and win against the Wizards. You do not want to start the, the year 0-3. You just do not want to start the year 0-3 and get discouraged. I would, never, I would never say that they would do this purposely, of course. But let's say, you know, third quarter. I know. I'm out with of you. It. I know where you're going. You're you, out of you it. hope that they can sit down the fourth quarter so they can rest and get ready for that Wizards game. Yeah, because you want to win. <laughs> we might see Junior tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I'm. It's what I'm saying. To be honest, we probably need to, but with the lack of depth, I'm, I would be surprised if he didn't get any minutes again. I I kind of agree with the rest of the fan base. If if you're not going to play him during this situation, we got to figure out what we're going to do with him. You know, this yep. just it feels like the time to play him is right now. I also think that. Breaking uh, in case of emergency, Conchar is coming tonight. He's a good rebounder. He's going to help them there. I don't think it's even. He's got to break play. in case of emergency. It's it, it's already broken. He's got to play. There's, <laughs> the there's alarms no, are going off. You can't. I mean, We're death you have, one. You have Luke Kennard, Santi. Like you need someone else to fill in those minutes off the bench, and they have not shown the tendency to want to play Kenneth Lofton Jr. So, like I, I mean, if you're if you're going to try to replace Luke Kennard. I guess your best option is John Conchar at this point. And I, I get the sense that they're a little peeved at Kenneth Lofton Jr. more than anything and why maybe why he hasn't why he won't get minutes early in the season. Maybe because so. he came in over overweight. John Conchar, he had personal matters and they're trying to get him back into the swing of things. I think he's going to have to be forced to get back into the swing of things tonight. Because I think the minutes are going to come hot and heavy. Now, two good games last night on Very TNT. Very good games, yeah. Uh, we started with the Eastern Conference. Bucks won 118-117. There was a play in the fourth quarter. That is kind of under scrutiny right now. Giannis threw an air ball and then caught it himself. Should have been a travel. It led to a Dame three. So I, yeah, I mean, it was a one point difference. You do the math. Not not great, but I uh, I have to give a shout out to Dame without question. He was unbelievable. Thirty nine points, eight rebounds, four assists, nine for twenty from the field, seventeen for seventeen from the free throw line. Uh, he was a plus 12 and the plus minus. Um, but that duo, that's a, I mean, is there a better duo in the NBA? No. I don't think, I don't think at all. When you look at the final 18 points for the Bucks, Giannis two point, Dame three point on a Giannis assist, Giannis two point, Dame free throw, Dame free throw, Dame free throw, Dame and one, Dame three, Dame free throw, Dame free throw. That's how they ended their last 18 points. That's ridiculous. 
Now, I understand that they have to have other guys. As you get into the playoffs, you have to have uh, your, your role players step up in big, meaningful ways. But those two guys at the top of that lineup, it is just, it's, it's scary. It was so much fun to watch. Isn't it great that we get to enjoy Damian Lillard basketball now and we don't have to talk about all the drama and the crap going on with the, with the Blazers and all that? It's, yeah. Because when he plays, it's so much fun to watch. The dude just is a bucket. He's a walking bucket. And I think the funny thing that was happening last night is we talked about this is what they were going to do to teams this year. It was just pick and roll. It was yep. like, we're going to do the most ba- basic basketball play there possibly and, is, and you can't do a damn thing about it. And I, with Giannis, the way you've defended him over the years alongside Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton is you try to wall up as much as possible. Can't do it now. Paint. You can't do that. You cannot. You get into those pick and roll situations with Dame and, and Giannis, you need to have all hands on deck. Somebody needs to go deal with Dame out there on the perimeter or he will pop one right in your face. So this is just going to be a struggle for teams to, to decide how they want to defend. And I think a lot of the way they're going to defend is at some points, and this is how it, it has always been with Damian Lillard, just hope. that <laughs> Hope that he has a bad night shooting. Yeah. Just hope. Because he's going to throw things up from 35 feet that you can't do a damn thing about. You can't even contest. I thought it was really impressive how much he got to the line. Yeah. How much, because he was he was using the fact that they thought that he was going to take a three every single time. He was just getting by guys. It was just really, really good play last night from Damian Lillard. And do you have any concern about Chris Middleton? That was the wad. Um, 16 minutes? I, have we, I mean, that knee is haven't we, worrisome. I mean, he's in his 30s. He didn't play a, a chunk of last year. He's 32 years old. He's in his 11th season. I, I, of course I have worries about Chris Middleton. And it's a knee. Like, lift on his jumper has been big to his career. And I just, yeah, of course I have concerns. There's no way you can go into this season after watching how last season ended and not be concerned about Chris Middleton. But, again, I think Dame and, Dame and Giannis can make up for a whole lot for that team, especially during the regular season. We'll see come playoff time how that's going to look for them. And then the Suns versus Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron James, that was, uh, that was a show. 30-12-2 for Anthony Davis, 21-8-9 for LeBron. And Anthony Davis, I thought, had a rebound game. He did really well. Three steals, three blocks as well. Um, did a heck of a job. Now, LeBron James, when he was on the floor, it was it was, it was, was bad for the Suns. Dude, he was plus LeBron, 22. LeBron was plus 22 That's crazy. Night. Christian Wood was plus 23. I found that. Yeah, he, was very, he was really good last night. Um but LeBron James, when he was out there on the floor, the Suns didn't really have an answer. Now, all those questions about Kevin Durant and if he is still himself, if he still has the athleticism to go make things happen, let's quiet that down. Yeah, that's, that's why I don't understand the overreactions after one game. It's like, he's still Kevin Durant. He's going to be fine. But he can, <laughs> he's like, be we, fine. we talked about it the other day. I don't, think, I don't think you can reasonably look at a guy who's 35 years old, who's in his 15th season, yeah. and not expect yeah, him to slow down at least a little slower. bit. It's like, yeah. Yeah, he has yeah, a surgically yeah, repaired Achilles, and he's <laughs> 35 he years old. He's still KD. Uh, but 39, 11-2. 50% shooting. Got to the free throw line a fair, a fair amount 13 times. So, yeah, let's, let's calm down with the, with the Kevin Durant is cooked. It was really cool to see. And to stay, to, but I'll give the Suns credit. To stay in that game yeah. and pace the Lakers the way they did, full-strength Lakers versus no Bradley Beal, Devin Booker uh, Suns, I thought that was impressive by the Suns. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant put the team on his back last night. It was so impressive. It was really cool to get to see KD and LeBron kind of have a, you know, 
a real battle against each other. Like the last, yep. like the last five minutes of that game were so much fun you have to, to watch. You have to enjoy that while it's still here. You have to. You absolutely have to. And the LeBron minutes restriction immediately went out the window too. It's, he's only going to play twenty eight to thirty a game. Thirty five minutes last night. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Now uh, Tigers visiting North Texas this weekend, two o'clock. It'll be in Denton, ESPN Plus. Um, I feel like this is a copy and paste in a lot of ways from last week versus UAB. You have a really good offense, and you have a defense that is absolutely positively terrible. I'm going to go through these metrics again. Right now, North Texas stands 123rd in the country in yards allowed per game at 468.5. When you look at points per game, they're way down there as well. They're at 122, 36.2 per game. They are dead last. Dead last and rush yards allowed per game. I know the Tigers have had struggles running the ball. I think the O-line's been improved. I think Blake Watson has been very good this year, but you have to be able to run the ball against this team. 269 and a half yards allowed on the ground. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Per game, that is 36 yards worse than the next team at 132, which is Georgia Tech, who only gives up 233. 269 and a half yards on the ground. Now, they're decent uh, as far as pass defense is concerned. They're 32nd in the country, 199. Um, and they have a decent secondary, but I wonder how much of that is every team sees on film, we're going to be able to run the ball as much as humanly possible. We don't have to worry about throwing the ball. I, I think that has something to do with it. The only difference, I say it's a copy-paste for the most part because decent offense, bad defense to UAB. The only difference is Chandler Rogers is probably going to run out there. Jacob Zeno, starter for UAB, did not. And I think Chandler Rogers is one of the best uh, unknown quarterbacks in the country right now. 14 TDs to one INT, up around 1,700 yards. This is a guy that can definitely beat the Tigers deep if they, if they don't pay attention. And one thing that the Tigers did really well last week was getting turnovers. They had four turnovers. UAB did not turn them over once. They're still going to have to get that done against North Texas, but it's not going to be as easy because North Texas has had a lot better ball security so far this year. It feels like an opportunity for the Memphis Tigers to remind the fan base and everybody who they can be this season. You know, it was a, it, it was a disappointing week last week despite the win in the second half. Just give us the second half for a full game. That's what we want to see. Feed Blake Watson. Defense needs to step up. This is an extremely winnable game. Just go in there and take care of business. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and like I— Just impose your will. Yes, Uh, 45-21 against UAB I thought was a very positive, encouraging sign, especially looking at the second half. I don't think they can have the lull they had in the first half. No, that's what I just just, – Cannot do that. You got to come out swinging. Cannot do that. Um, But based on – I hope there were some lessons learned last week about coming out slow. And I think every time they're on the road the rest of the year, bring your own energy, BYOE, because there's not going to be a lot of people out there in the stands. You cannot get caught up in that, though. You have have goals you want to accomplish. You cannot get caught up in – uh, fan engagement in Denton, Texas. Just can't let it happen. Um, 
but I, I, I think there's a couple of things that could happen. Obviously, a loss is there, and that would just discourage everybody. We, we'd move on. Let's be honest with, with, with ourselves. They lose to North Texas on the road. We move on. No doubt about it. They could, lo- or they could win very slim. I don't think we move on at that point, but people are still mum, still sort of pitter-pattering around, just waiting for the Tigers to show them something. And then they could win convincingly, and like they did against UAB. And I think everybody is still right where they're at right this second. Uh, relatively engaged, 6-2, and two, a schedule that, that you know plays relatively fairly until you get to SMU at home. So I think there's still a lot ahead of them, but this week is, is vital. And this would mark the first time that the Tigers have won two consecutive road games in conference under Ryan Silverfield. If they win this weekend, two consecutive road games won in conference, first time Ryan Silverfield will have been able to accomplish that. Positivity can be taken in that, or you could look at that and say, it's oh, bit, my God, it's a bit how of a, is that possible? It's, it's a mini yikes. Yes, no question about it. Now, a couple of other things in college football uh, before we move on. I want to bring up Tiger basketball. As uh, Penny has said, he sort of put out some feelers on what he thinks his starting lineup's going to look like. Uh, but we have Tennessee visiting Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee's won eight of the last ten against Kentucky. Now, they travel to Kentucky and Kentucky's trying to save a good season. Tennessee's coming off an emotional loss in Bama where they just, the second half, could not show up. Um, this is going to be very telling. For both teams the rest of the way, Tennessee three-and-a-half-point favorites. Joe Milton, show up. That's all I can say. Joe Milton, show up, and you'll, you'll be in, in, a, in a good spot. Because I think that Kentucky's offense is very middling. I think this Tennessee defense is much improved. I don't see them having a game where they give up you know, 28-plus by any stretch of the imagination. Tennessee, I think, is more capable on the offensive end. I feel like this should be a win for Tennessee. Yeah, and to your point, Joe Milton's going to have to show up because Kentucky's run defense is very good. You're not going to be able to run the football as much as you would like now, to. I ran this by Brad last week. I think I should run it by you as well. If the season st- if they if Tennessee takes a couple of unnecessary losses down the stretch of this season, uh, whether it's Kentucky, Mizzou, whatever it is, do you think that – not just the fan, like, and Joe Milton doesn't look good. Do you think Nico Heimlevea may get a little bit of, of a look? I wouldn't Josh be surprised. Heifel? I wouldn't be surprised. You're starting to f- because I think in college football, more so than in the past, you try to sell hope. You try to yeah, sell right, what you're going right. to look like next year. And Joe Milton has not done that for this fan base. No, un- unfortunately, Joe Milton is who we thought Joe Milton was, and that, that's you know he's he's a good college football yes. quarterback. I, I'm you know, not great. He's not great. And they need somebody great. And at some point, you have to see what your options are for the future, especially if it is, you know, if it's a type of season where you know that you're not going to a big-time bowl game. Yeah, let's see what you have. I will also say Tennessee is extremely injured this season. Like, they've just had a tough go with injuries and personnel this year. So I understand why they've been struggling a little bit, especially on the defensive end of the football. I wouldn't hate to see it. I wouldn't hate to see it. Joe Milton has been fine. He's been serviceable for what they need. But I would like to see what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in the SEC, we have the cocktail party, Georgia, Florida, of course, Georgia, number one team in the country, 14 and a half point line for Georgia. I've liked what Carson Beck brings. I think this game, as much as you just look at tight ends in college football and you're like, oh, I don't know how much that means uh, outside of Brant Kaifey for Utah and Brock Bowers, who I'm about to bring up, you, you usually don't look at that, but Brock Bowers being down for an extended period of time with that tightrope surgery in his ankle. This is going to be interesting to see how Carson Beck copes. 
I'm serious. I mean, I you have Rosamie Jack Saint on the outside, Lad McConkey, but like outside of that, what are you really looking at as far as targets on the outside? And I think so far this year, Cam Jackson, who is the transfer from Memphis that went to Florida, a lot of those guys inside for Florida have done a good job of stopping the run. I feel like Carson Beck is going to have to use his arm in this game, but not having Brock Bowers on those third in those third down situations for those big plays, little run after catch. I think it's it, Carson Beck's going to have to take another step this week. The safety blanket's gone. Yes, yes, and we know that the the cocktail party can always it'll gener, generally always be closer than we. I can. hope they win by forty. <laughs> Stupid Florida. I hate Florida. <laughs> I hate Florida so much. Yeah, I get it, Tennessee fan. I understand. <laughs> I understand. I completely understand. Now on to Tiger basketball before we get to our trip around the National Football League. Penny has come out and he's given a at least a feeler on what he thinks the starting lineup's going to look. They have a uh, Sunday uh, exhibition against Lane. Um, we have Javon Quinterly, Caleb Mills, David Jones, Jaquan Walton, and Jordan Brown. Now, Jordan Brown also was on the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar watch list for best center in the country. Uh, he just got uh, added to that today. Um, I find it interesting that that is a starting lineup. That is your, I think that's your most, if I, your most talented guys out there, offensively, defensively, the whole thing. Um, it's obviously a five-transfer lineup. So we've gone from, like, five freshmen, five transfers, whatever. We're at five transfers now. Um, but I figured sort of looking at the way things may play out, maybe you'd want Nick Jordan as the four there because you'd have enough offensive punch and try to save either David Jones or Jaquan Walton for the reserve group. But we have seen in the past, like, whatever Penny says going into the season does not necessarily mean by the time we get to conference play that's going to be the same starting lineup. And we know injuries hit and different things like that. Guys get banged up. But I, I'm interested. I, I, I found it interesting because I thought Penny would probably opt to leave one of those guys on the bench to at least deliver a little bit of offensive punch. Jake that, that was the idea. Jones. I'm curious what the rotation looks like because if he staggers it, it makes a little bit more sense. You know, like if you leave some of the guys out there when he takes out the first, you know, the first subs come in. I, I really like that starting lineup, though. It, it's one that can impose its will very quickly on the basketball game with those five transfers. You can score at all three levels. But I you don't can defend know if all you want to go to your second lineup and – Sort of go because we know Penny will do almost platoon swaps at times. Well, that's what I mean. It's, you don't want to immediately flip to five new guys and have all those guys off the floor at once. That's why I don't think that's gonna yes. happen. I, like the Javon Quinterly playing extended minutes, or yeah, something like him, the Caleb him Mills. sending out when when he announced the starting five. My first thought was, oh, he'll probably stagger it. Like I would yeah. be surprised if he did a platoon swap. That's why I'm I'm, I'm interested to see. What the rotations look like. We've seen that Penny in the past changes his rotations kind of, you know, on the fly if he thinks he needs to. So we'll see what happens. I like that starting five, though. It's hard not to. I really like it. Hard not to. Pretty, a lot of guys. Pretty good. A lot of guys who are very offensively inclined. And I think defense, and they've played a lot of ball, and I still think they have a defensive edge, rebounding edge on just about anybody they play. A lot of height, too. A lot of height and length to that, to that uh, lineup as well. So we'll see what happens as we get into the season, of course. We have an exhibition coming up against Lane. Now, we need to take a trip around the National Football League before we bring on Lee Sterling to give you picks. Going to be an abbreviated version because we don't have a whole lot of time today. But that's next. Trip around the NFL, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Time to take a trip around the National Football League brought to you by Longshot. 
The Buffalo Bills. All right, Buffalo Bills win 24-18. Now, I have to say, Connor, that last play of the game, we had a Hail Mary. Chris Godwin, I don't know what was going on. He was turned around, finally turned around last second. Ball whizzed right by his head. He was open. He could have caught that ball. Uh, Bills did not do a good job of blanketing him. But if you looked right in front of him, Kate Otten, he's getting mugged. I am of the opinion there should have been an untimed down for the Bucks to go on the one-yard line and possibly punch that thing in. But that's not how it played out. Uh, but the Bills definitely had a close shave last night. And one thing I just didn't understand, I just cannot understand it. Sean McDermott, I think he's a good coach in this NFL. But I think he's in this group of good coaches. I think he's the worst of the group of good coaches because his game management bothers me to no end. At the end of that game, you have a third and two to go put it on ice, end it, completely end it. And he has Latavius Murray in the damn game. James Cook so far this year averages 4.5 yards per carry. Last night he had 14 carries for uh, 67 yards, a 4.8 average. Latavius Murray had five carries for seven yards. You put in your worst back to go ice the game? What are you doing? And he keeps putting him in on short yardage, on goal line, to try to go make things happen. He gets stuffed every single time. I, I, I was, you know, talking to some buddies about the game last night. I said, you know, I kept going after Latavius Murray. I'm like, why is he in the damn game right now? They're like, you must hate Latavius Murray. And my response to that was, I have eyeballs. No, I have eyeballs. I can see that James Cook's the better back. What's Latavius Murray doing in the damn game right now? It was. It seemed pretty simple to me, uh, but the Bills, close shave. They're 5-3. and three. Um, Need to catch up to the Dolphins, but 24-18 over the Buccaneers. The New York Jets. Dalvin Cook's already looking for a trade. <laughs> he signed on thinking Aaron Rodgers was going to be his quarterback, so I kind of get it. Zach Wilson's his quarterback. He's got a diminished role because Brees Hall, can we be honest, is the better back. Um, but Dalvin Cook could help somebody. They're going to seek a trade, see what happens, ask Joe Douglas to go make that happen. Um, I guess there's some names out there. The Ravens could make sense. You know, I mean, Chiefs don't necessarily – it wouldn't hurt. Um, but there's some names out there. Dallas Cowboys I think would be an interesting one. Uh, but we'll see if they can find a trade. Trade deadline is coming up rapidly at the end of October, on October 31st, so – They're going to have to find a trade relatively quickly. The Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill's officially out. Officially out. So what does that mean against the Falcons? That means Malik Willis or Will Levis is going to step in and go make something happen. Who are we betting is going to have the better game? Because I think they'll both play. Who are we betting is the guy that you turn to? I would say Will Levis has the better game. We've seen Malik many times in NFL play, and it is not good. See, I don't think Malik's a good NFL quarterback, and I don't. I, I have doubts if he'll ever reach the potential that, you know, maybe you thought he could reach coming out of Liberty. But I thought it was unfair last year. Like I didn't want to completely leave his career for dead after last year because he should have. He never. He had no business playing NFL football last year. I hope he's better. He looked better in the preseason, but preseason and regular season are completely different. And that Falcons defense is very solid. I just think the Titans are in this very precarious situation where you have a coach that wants to win, seemingly a GM that wants to win, but now you're down your quarterback. You know that you're not going to win in any big, meaningful way, especially with where the Jags are right now in the AFC South. They're going to go into this fire sale mode, but I guess you're just going to look at what you have in Will Levis and Malik Willis the rest of the year. So we shall see, but not a good situation to be in if you're a Tennessee Titans fan or a part of the Tennessee Titans. Now we're live. 
from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios. And I always tell you when disaster strikes, there's no good time for disaster to strike. It's never opportune. But, no, it is opportune. Reaching out to Service Master by Cornerstone. They're your local responders. They're the largest franchise in a 600-mile radius, but they're also the best. They've been awarded Service Master's Franchise of the Year Award, meaning they're the number one Service Master Restore franchise in the United States of America. Be water damage. Uh, you may need mold remediation. You could have a fire and there's smoke damage. You could have storm damage in general. Call Service Master by Cornerstone. It's no matter the place, no matter the size, they will help with that damage. It could be a school, office, home, residential property. They will be there to respond, and they'll take pride in it because Tyler, the president and owner of Service Master by Cornerstone, and his team have a lot of years of experience under their belt in disaster restoration. So make sure you call the people that take pride. Their motto is, we don't pray for disaster. We just pray we get called when there is one. So remember the name, locally owned, locally operated. Service Master by Cornerstone. And that word respond I've been using for your hometown responders, Service Master by Cornerstone, that means something because that's their number. 901-RESPOND, 901-R-E-S-P-O-N-D, 901-RESPOND for Service Master by Cornerstone. Now we need to get you some picks going into the weekend, college football and NFL. No better person to talk to on a Friday than Lee Sterling. He's next. On the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. You know what time it is on a Friday. We have to get to Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports Card. He is on X at Paramount Sports. He's co-host of the Locked On Bets podcast for the Locked On Network, number one handicapper for NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL for covers. He's all over the place. Lee, what's happening? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Back from Chicago. and Nice. Uh... Had a good time there. It was a perfect day. I, that might be one of the last perfect days. I'm starting to look at the weather in the in the Northeast and the Midwest. So we're gonna. You got to check weather. I mean, a lot of big 12 games are going to be affected by weather. So it's always you know injuries. Uh, but uh, now weather this time of year in college football in the NFL. Before we uh, before we get into the card, holler at me. We're we're in the uh, waning days of October. Um, for you over at Paramount, uh, shout that out before we get into your car. Yeah, so uh, what we're going to do is, uh, you know, I know there's, this is one of those rare periods for two weeks here where all four sports are taking place. We've got, obviously, NFL and college football. We've got the World Series starts tonight. We've got uh, basketball, NBA started, and I'm sure you guys are excited about that, too. Yeah. And, and uh, then also hockey started couple weeks ago. So I know there's a lot of people that might be with me maybe for one or two sports would like to try the other sports, you know, dip their toe in, or they've never been a client of mine before and would like to try it out. Now, normally, if we do a one-day pass, it's usually like on a Saturday and it's 79 to $97. I want to get everyone involved. I know if I win for them, they're going to want to come back and join at least one or two sports for a month or more. How about this? All four sports tonight, seven selections total, seventeen bucks. So that'll do. <laughs> hope everyone's sitting down. Not seventy nine, eighty nine, ninety seven. Seventeen bucks for seven selections. That'll do. That'll yeah. do, no doubt. Um, now I uh, I do have to say for the NBA, you did say we're excited here in Memphis. Uh, we are. We are. We'd be a lot more excited if like the the injury bug didn't hit as hard as it has. 
John well, Morant's out 25 you know, games. Brandon Clark's got the Achilles. Yeah. We have Stephen yeah. Adams out for the year. We have Santi Aldama, Luke. Just everybody's hurt. Everybody's hurt. You got injuries in a Miami. We we thought we would have Dame in the fold by now. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you still have the exact same. Not just about the exact same team. About about. Yeah, no Gabe Vincent, no Max Struess. No, no, no Struessinator. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Now, uh, what I do like about your card. What I really appreciate about your card is you go AAC heavy to start it. We got to love that. Three o'clock, we're going to have uh, Tulane visiting Rice. This is, you know, if you if people have been paying attention to Rice, we've had the JT Daniels uh, redemption arc, if you've been paying attention. 2,173 yards, 17 TDs, five INTs. This Rice team's a lot tougher than people will give them credit for. Um, but Tulane, number 22 team in the country, 10-point favorites. It'll be on ESPN2 again at 3 o'clock. How do you see it? Yeah, JT's played better than I thought he would, but um, they also got some takeaways early, through for 342. Last week against Tulsa, no one expected a 42-10 blowout now. And I also didn't think that they'd control the ball for almost uh, 34 minutes of the 60-minute contest. I don't think they have a chance of holding down Tulane to, to 11 for 22 passing like they did with Tulsa. Michael Pratt is one of the ten best quarterbacks in college football. Now, I don't know what kind of pro he's going to make, but if I was picking a team and you're doing like fantasy football, his numbers are not going to be incredible. The kid just wins. It's a game. 70% completion percentage, averages 9.9 yards per attempt, and a lot of times they'll be like third and five and there's no one open, and he'll find a way to scramble and get six yards. So he's had trouble staying healthy, but he's about as – Healthy as he's been all year here, I think Rice, you know, it's going to be time for them to turn back into the pumpkin. Tulane, <laughs> 38-23. I hear you. Now, uh, yeah. right from that AAC game to the AAC game, we care about the most Memphis on the road at North Texas. Uh, now, Memphis took care of business against UAB, and I feel like this North Texas team may be a little better on offense, but this feels like a copy-paste matchup of, of UAB where you have this decent offense and the, the, the defense is just – Pitiful. I mean, inept in a lot of ways. But Memphis is seven-point favorites on the road. I will say this. North Texas was very, very uh, competitive against Tulane. And Chandler Rogers, that quarterback, is having a really good year. uh, If people are paying attention, 14 TDs to one INT. Threw for 342 TDs against Tulane. Um, Do you think my Memphis Tigers can cover this spread and, and win on the road against North Texas? Well, I, I would doubt that they're going to turn the ball over North Texas four times. And, right. and we have a 4-0 turnover advantage. You're going to win a lot of games. And that's how they were able to pull away. So I, I, I'm looking at this this North Texas team, and I think that they're improved. They're playing with some confidence now. Uh, they're playing for first-season co- uh, coaching staff here. And uh, they didn't change a whole lot. Uh, still that – balance, up-tempo offense. Uh, they're going to get more than their share of yards and points, but uh, they're going to have to uh, you know, play a little bit of difference. Last year when they lost, they threw two pick sixes. So I, I don't think that the Chandler Rogers is going to do that. When you get 14 touchdowns, just one interception. He might throw one interception in this game here, but I, I like their play calling. I think they're aggressive here. They have nothing to lose. And Memphis usually is not the same team on the road. I think it's going to be a tight game here. I think Memphis prevails, maybe with a last-second drive here, 
35-31. A win's a win. I, yep. Obviously a, a close win, though. Just sort of pulling it out does not give uh, the fans here a whole lot of uh, – uh, a whole lot of uh, reason to be insanely happy, but you know what? A right. win is a win. Six and two is better than uh, than five and three. Now on to the SEC. We have Tennessee at Kentucky, number twenty-one team in the country. Tennessee, who was up early on uh, on uh, Alabama, but then twenty-four to nothing in the second half. Uh, that told the story of that game. But six o'clock, ESPN. Tennessee goes on the road against Kentucky. They're three and a half point favorites. Uh, I, I think there's. Some questions out there right now about Joe Milton, his viability long-term this season. I, I think there's going to be some clamoring if they continue to lose ball games for Nico Iam Lavea. but for right now it looks like Joe Milton's fine and he's got his uh, job security, job all locked up. But Tennessee going into Kentucky, it feels like uh, Tennessee always prevails against Kentucky. Do they do it again? I don't know. I, I mean, here's the problem. Josh Heupel, his decision to go for it on 38-yard line, monumental mistake, in my opinion. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, no. And then, you know, as the second half unwound, uh, you know, the play calling wasn't good. I think the kids got frustrated and didn't perform. Even, you know, simple things, like even the last drive, you know, two illegal procedure penalties. I mean, just you've got to be more disciplined. So I think, personally, this is Kentucky's circle game this year. They got whipped 44-6. to last year at Rocky Top, and if I'm the coach, and here's how I lose a lot of games. I can look at games and come up with a game plan, which I think will work, and the coach will do something different. If I'm the coach here and you want to be successful, I run Ray Davis here 30 to 35 times because Uh I think that – I think – I'm not saying Tennessee will quit. I think last week took a lot out of them mentally. I think they felt if they win that game – they can have a special season. Now, what are they playing for? I think Kentucky's going to take it out of them here. I, I think the wrong team's favorite. I like Kentucky, 27-20. Now, on to the NFL. We have Jags at Steelers. It's kind of funny, like, just thinking about the Steelers. You look up, and they're 4-2, and two, and you just have to look at Mike Tomlin. You're like, how the hell are you doing this? Like, just right. how, how do you do this with this team offensively that seems relatively inept, but you do have a defense with T.J. Watt on it? a defensive player of the year candidate. He's been unbelievable. Um, but the Jags are 5-2. and two. And I, I found it funny. A couple weeks ago I was talking about their 4-2 and two start. It's their, it was their best start since 2007. So we know that yeah. this franchise is not used to winning early and often. Um, but they're only two-point favorites on the road against the Steelers. Can they get to 6-2? and two? I'd imagine that's, that's one of their best starts in, in franchise history. Now, you're going to see every week one game where you're, like, scratching your head, like Baltimore last week against Detroit. Detroit had been playing great, and Baltimore had shown nothing all year. Everything came together in one game. Yep. Things can happen, but I'm telling you right now, Jacksonville is a much better team than Pittsburgh. If they play on a neutral field, I think Jacksonville wins by at least a touchdown. Pittsburgh, sometimes strange things happen, and... Their defense, Pittsburgh's defense, is going to have to play really Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here 
on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 